0: So, you know I haven't so I have a fantasy football league that I'm in right now uh with just some friends from high school and college and also on Twitter. Um I just went one and two and McCaffrey I drafted McCaffrey I had the first overall pick and I drafted McCaffrey number one and now all of a sudden my team sucks. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm just like Ah bro yeah. like Man, it sucks. Guys, welcome to the DraftNut Podcast. It's your host, Jared Feinberg, alongside Devin Jackson. We got some action to talk about from this past weekend, NFL, college football, and you name it. Uh, week three is in the books for the 2020 season. Um, we have plenty to talk about. Um, first off, I want to start off with a tweet I had sent out last night um, or on Monday night during the Chiefs-Ravens game. I had tweeted out this tweet, word for word. Best QBs I have ever seen. Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, Prime Aaron Rodgers, 2013 Peyton Manning. Now let me explain all this in more detail because I don't – and I should have probably put more detail into this tweet as to how I viewed – um, this list. But first off, number one. It, this week came from a reaction to one of Mahomes' throws to either it was Hill, Hardman, or Edwards E Lair. Um but I think everyone can agree that Patrick Mahomes is one of the most physically talented quarterbacks in league history. I think I don't think that needs to be explained because the highlights of the tape that explains that all explains it itself. So, um And Mahomes is the face of the NFL, probably the best quarterback in football. And, yes, I know Russell Wilson is on a historic terror to start the year right now, and he might be on his way to winning league MVP. But Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, and it's been like this for the last two years, in my opinion. Number two, Cam Newton is one of the most physically talented quarterbacks in NFL history, in my opinion. The type of athletic ability – Coming out of college, that type of athletic ability for that size, and it's you can say it still holds true today, um, is very, very rare. And at his peak, his arm talent is up there with some of the league's best um, overall arms, not like arm talent, because I know there's better quarterbacks than Cam Newton in terms of arm talent with a combination of arm strength and accuracy, but... When you look at his physical tools and his physical traits, like Cam Newton is one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in terms of that terminology. And everywhere else he's been improving every year on like his mechanics, accuracy, footwork, and even as a Panthers fan who, or as someone who has watched Cam Newton throughout his entire career very, very closely, including his play on the field, I'm not afraid to show or say when Cam Newton screws up on the field like like any other quarterback does. He does have his flaws, yes. He's always shown great voice, uh, good pocket awareness, but people would rather look at stats and the bad highlights than take their time to watch the tape. But Newton's easily one of the best quarterbacks physically I've ever seen and honestly probably one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen, period. Just because, like, being a longtime Panthers fan, and basically a Panther fan since be, like probably a year or so before he got drafted. So I, I I know a little bit of how like rebuilds go in a way, but it's been a long time. Um, I was probably gosh eight or nine when um, the Panthers I think started going downhill. No, maybe ten or eleven. I have no idea. It's been it's been a long time, but. The key word here that I've been mentioning is physical talent. That's the that's what my list basically meant is best physical talent I've ever seen on the field from the quarterback position. It's Cam Newton or it's Patrick Mahomes. Cam Newton, prime Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers in his prime was Mahomes. Before Mahomes was even in the NFL, he was doing the exact same things that Mahomes is doing right now. Five, six years ago, if Rodgers had a legitimate defense like five, six years ago and competent coaching, which at the time people thought, oh, Mike McCarthy is a genius, blah, blah, blah. But now looking at the full scope, we're thinking yeah, it could have been a lot better than what it was. He'd have at least two. Rodgers would have had at least two to three more rings right now, in my opinion. Like he he's that talented. He can lead any team. That's like, I mean, he had, Devontae Adams is legitimate, legitimately his number one target and he didn't have him this past week uh, or on Sunday night against the Saints. And he still won with that, with that group of receivers, with that group of skilled players. So that's what makes Rogers still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know if he, if Still on that type of level, he was five, six years ago, but we've seen flashes of that and he's still showing he's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL Four, I don't know why I added Peyton Manning to this list, but I think it, I added it because it was more of being one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a quarterback since I started watching football 10, 10 or so years ago um, at the least. Now this now like I said, this is this list is more about physical talent except for Peyton Manning. If this was a list regarding of regardless of physical talent, Brady's in that Brady is on that list easily. Breeze is on that list. Matt Ryan is on that list and a couple others. I'll add Russell Wilson to that list. Um and and Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's arguably one of the greatest sports figures of all time. And I'm, I'm not going to discredit that in any sort of way. And that's not, that wasn't my goal for this tweet. It was more of a, more of a in the moment overreaction to Mahomes playing elite football. And now I've got all these Boston fans and other people trashing me for not having Tom Brady or Russell Wilson in this um in this list, and then I tweeted out this morning like, hey, this is more like physical talent, but again, it didn't really make sense adding, adding Peyton Manning to that list. I know he's not one of the more physically talented quarterbacks of all time, but he's easily one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. No question about it. It's just how, yeah, I, I, just looking back at it, I think it was more of a reactionary or reactionary tweet than than anything so like honestly getting trashed by Patriots fans and Seahawks fans for not having Russell Wilson or Tom Brady on that list is in in a way kind of disturbing for me <laughs> but um but you know I know you've i th- have you seen the tweet yet have you gotten the chance to see it? What do you yeah. think of this list I mean it's I would say it's controversial, and it's blown up quite a bit. It's got, like, over close to 150 likes, close to 40 retweets. A um, bunch of people have been, quote, tweeting in um, and um, commenting on it. So what are your thoughts on that list? Because
1: I mean, to me, it's just a personal opinion, so I don't mind it. I mean, it's not like you're saying these are the best quarterbacks, you know, Ever, isn't you're just saying right. the best ones you've watched. So I don't. It's it's Twitter, man. People are always, you know, taking things out of context. Like, you know, to me, what Brady did was awesome, but it wasn't like anything jaw dropping.
0: Yeah, like, uh, no, but like this, some stuff he did was jaw dropping, like the comeback in the Super Bowl. Well,
1: yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, but I'm I'm just saying, like, people are saying I saw some people say 2007 Brady you know stuff like that but it's like the thing with like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady is that they're not physically gifted no. you know they're just winners they they just will their team to win and beat teams with their mind uh same thing with Drew Brees you know these guys are not like supremely gifted athletes right um which is what you were alluding to um so yeah i mean i would have added Russell Wilson probably in that list in instead of Peyton Manning but Overall, I, I can't really disagree with it too much because it's a personal opinion. No. It's, not like you're, it's not like you were saying, like, these are the best quarterbacks ever, you know, in this like order. They, uh, like yeah. that's,
0: no, that's 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 not what I was trying to get at. It was just more reactionary, like, just giving out my opinion in the moments. And, you know, by the end of the season, Russell Wilson will indeed be on that list because if he continues to the pace these on right now, it's going to be one – Easily one of the greatest seasons of all time. Like, probably not in just the NFL, but just from a sports fan perspective, like, Mah- not Mahomes. Wilson is just on pace for historic numbers. Like, I think he's on pace for, like, 5,000-plus yards and 75 touchdowns. Like, the record's 55, and he's on pace to destroy that by 20. yeah. But it's You know, three games in, I mean, we still got 13 games left to go in this season, hopefully, because we got news coming out of Tennessee that three players from, three players and I think personnel as well, have come in contact with COVID-19, and so now the Vikings and the Titans have um, shut down their facilities until further notice, so we don't know if the Titans and the Vikings are playing this weekend and even their opponents are playing this weekend. Like this is going to be the first true, true test of for the Titans and the, or just the NFL in particular and how they handle a potential outbreak on any NFL roster in the middle of the, se- in the, middle of the season. So it'll be interesting to see that. All right. Now it's time to get into this weekend's action. Um, We'll start off with Devin, your New Orleans Saints. I watched a little bit of Saints Packers game. I know you were just furious after that game that I I watched a little bit of the end of the game and I was like, where's the pass rush? Where is, where's that Saint that really good Saints defense that we all talked about in the offseason, what we saw last year? Where's Cameron Jordan been? Like, it's, it's crazy. Like you'd think Cameron Jordan or any of the Saints defensive front would be getting pressure on the quarterback, but Rodgers had all day to throw and he was hitting guys left and right. No problem. He was hitting no, no look passes. I mean, what's going on with the Saints? I, I don't know what's going on with the Saints. And Freeze had his best game of the year. Which is saying something. Best game.
1: Best quote unquote best. All right, where do I start? First of all, um, before I even get to Cam Jordan, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, man, um, he is the he's the biggest question mark on the defense. He can be a dominant corner at times, and he can you know really lock down players, and then he looks like a, a, a below average corner at times. Like, there's no reason he should be getting beat by Alan Lazard. Beep. You know, we talk about Marshawn Lattimore's speed. You know, he ran a 4.38, I believe, at in his 40-yard dash. Um, you know, he locks down Julio Jones, Mike Evans, uh, Mari Cooper. But when he plays against second, third, fourth-tier receivers, he can't even stay in front of them. Last week it was Hunter Win- Renfro um, and a cast of other characters. Uh, Brian Edwards, a rookie. Now this week, it's Alan Lazard. So it's like he has a big contract upcoming, and he's not playing like that first-round corner that we selected every every game. So that's frustrating. Then you talk about the pass rush. Cameron Jordan was all pro, had the best year of his career last year. All of a sudden, he can't even beat a tackle on pass pro. Uh, I understand he's getting double-teamed. But he's not getting anything. No tackles for loss. No sack. So it's like, what are you supposed to do defensively? Like, I get that, you know, our secondary has not been great. A lot of pass interference calls. Uh, Janoris Jenkins really since that pick six has not played well at all. Um, but it, it comes to a point where you gotta have some pass rush. You gotta have some pressure. Um, and they had none. On my, on Sunday night at all. Now I get to the offense. <sighs> I'm trying to tell people, man, it's it's, it's going to be Jameis Winston time soon, man. I I just can't continue to watch the dink and dunk, man. Alvin Kamara is the best running back in the NFL. I will, you know, Christian McCaffrey is up there as well, but man, Kamara is playing like the best running back in the NFL right now.
0: I agree. I think Kamara right now. Even with, even if McCaffrey is healthy, like, Kamara's been the best running back in football this year, without question. It's just, and I'm, it's I'm not, not afraid to admit that either. Yeah, as a Panthers fan, like, yes, I, like any other year, I'd take McCaffrey. But right now, Kamara is just playing on a level I haven't seen since, like, his rookie year, since his sophomore year, essentially. Like, he's, playing
1: playing great, great football. And so uh basically, man, Drew Brees is not gonna get it done for the Saints this year, man. Because teams are gonna dare him to throw the ball down the field. They're gonna play cover zero. They're gonna play, you know, single high safety. Uh basically he's gonna have to make throws down the field. They're taking away they're gonna take away the underneath routes. So it's it's time to hit those intermediate and somewhat long throws. And too many times on Sunday night, he was double clutching. You know, he was doubting himself. And really, there was only two drives where he really threw the ball down the field. One of them was at the two-minute drill in the end of the second quarter. The second one was the last drive of the game uh, when they were trying to, you know, obviously get within one score. That's when he started throwing the ball down the field. Every other drive is dink and dunk, hit Kamara five yards, Cook five yards. Travelman 5 yards, 10 yards to Cook. And it was just like, it's like, bro. And then you see the replays. You see Chris Collins where talking about, oh, he could have had Manuel Sanders on this deep post. He could have had Manuel Sanders here, here. It, it just got tiring, man. Um, I get that a lot of teams have quarterback situations where it might not be the greatest. But, man, at least they're throwing the ball down the field, you know? it It's like we have too many weapons to – Be just throwing Alvin Kamara 13, 14, 15 times a game. Like, he is a great receiving back, but he is not a receiver. You know? He is their running back. And I get using him in a passing game, but Breeze, man, I, I just, I just can't, man. Like, the Saints offense still looks fine on paper. His stats still look good on paper, but you really gotta watch the game and and just watch it unfold. Kamara's getting so many yards at the catch, you know, like it's going to boost anyone's passing yards. So at this point, Drew Brees is basically throwing for like 150, 200 yards, and the rest is done by the receivers in in the tight ends. And that's just not going to get it done, man. Sean Payton is one of the most prolific, you know, play callers in, in the league. And I feel like his playbook is so limited right now so many screens so many short routes so many quick hitters it's just because, like
0: because he knows breeze he, he can't throw the ball downfield anymore
1: yeah it's the the, like, the the loyalty to to Drew Breeze right now is is i it's understandable but man i get that he doesn't want to expose him but sometimes you have to call those plays and you have to hit them you know you can't go through a whole season Without a thirty plus forty yard plus yard down the field completion, it has to happen at some point. So, either A he throws it down the field and it just comes out like ducks, or B he keeps doing what he's doing now and he gets benched. I mean, there's really no in between. This the Saints team is too too well built to to be relying on Drew Brees to throw five and ten yard routes, man.
0: We. The both of us have said in the, even in the offseason like when this team is on their A game they're the team to be in the NFC and not in just the NFC but in the NFL and you're in a win now situation with the Saints. You're 1-2 in a win now year That that's going to raise a lot of question marks. That's going to you're going to have a lot more questions than answers three weeks into the year. And apologies if you're hearing noise in the background, it's pouring down rain here in Asheville, North Carolina. So we're having fun in a monsoon. But anyways, it's quite amazing that you, you have quite a few, you have quite a few players who are in a contract year who, who, Do need extensions. I don't know about Marshawn Lattimore because he's been up and down this year. But Ryan Rimzecki, your right tackle, who's arguably one of the better right tackles of football. Like, you have to pay him at some point. And in my opinion, you should have paid him over Kamara easily. You give the player that gives you the most value... And like over the guys like running backs and linebackers and whatnot, you pay the offensive tackle first. Ramsecki should have a contract extension right now. He should be the starting right tackle for years to come for the Saints, but the Saints are going to be the projected cap. If I remember correctly, it's like 80 million, negative 80 million. If I remember correctly from what I saw on uh, Sporadic uh, or rag it's the Saints had a lot of tough decisions to make next off season because they're going to have to clear cap space at least to sign someone. But they're still signing guys even though they're in the negative in cap space. And people are saying, oh, the cap space is the mid, blah, 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 blah. I think it's more just fr- – front-loading a lot of the money. It's more like moving, making it work where a lot of the money is gotten towards the end of those extensions or contracts. I'm not sure really how it works. It's really interesting to know. It'd be really interesting to know how it works, but like I'm, I'm concerned about the Saints and I think they do need to start Jameis Winston, and I'm not saying in the next week or two. I'm saying this weekend they they should start Drew Brees this weekend, or not Drew Brees. They should start Jameis Winston this weekend. They they need to start getting the ball downfield to their weapons. And Michael and Michael Thomas being out doesn't really help Drew Brees any. But it's not going to matter either way if he's not able to push the ball downfield.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was going to say, too. Like, people were saying maybe he's missing his best weapon, but he was just going to throw the, the short round to him anyway. So it, like, right. it it's like we still would have been saying, seeing the same thing. All things would happen. is Michael Thomas would have got some yak and made his stats look better, man. So, like, at this point, man, no one can convince me that Breeze is the answer at all this year. He's going to get benched at some point. He's going to get taken out at some point because –
0: He should be benched this weekend.
1: I don't I, think it's going to happen this weekend. Uh I would not be opposed to it, but, I mean, honestly, it's going to happen in – Soon. I, I, I just can't imagine this team going up against the Chiefs towards the end of the season because they do play the Chiefs. And Drew Brees is throwing five 10-yard dink and dunks, and Mahomes is throwing bombs. <laughs> like, it, it's, 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 it's frustrating, man. Nah, it's just frustrating.
0: It's crazy to see – the Saints have the same record right now as the Carolina Panthers, a team that we, the both of us saw as a potential top five pick, a team that could be picking in the top five um, after the season. And you're looking at the Saints right now, you're looking at all this talent, and you're like, you're looking at this talent or this team on paper, and you're like, how, this, how can this team not go to Super Bowl? How can they not? This is a team built to win the Super Bowl when healthy. When when this team is on their A game, like, like I said a moment ago, this team can win the Super Bowl, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl with Drew Brees. They're not going to win this. uh, Well, they're not going to win games in a regular season with Drew Brees. I think they have a better shot. With Jameis Winston right now, if they want to get the ball pushed downfield, um, and have a better chance of improving the record right now with Winston than Breeze. But when it comes playoff time, you may need Breeze. But if it comes down to it, and, and Breeze's arm, like we've seen, is shot, and if they start him in the playoff game, if they make the playoffs, like and like first drive, you can tell his arm is just shot. He can't he can't go at it anymore. Like they can't really get, get him the ball downfield anymore. They're gonna have to put Winston back in, and you know it could end up being like a Nick Foles situation. And I brought and I had a take. I was on the um, the draft networks or the draft dudes uh, podcast with the draft networks uh, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. I was, Watching their um, live stream of podcast last night for their takes on takes episode for tomorrow or for Tuesday, and I had a take that Jameis Winston will take over for the New Orleans Saints at some point this season and go on to win the Super Bowl as their starting quarterback over Drew Brees. And Kyle um, Kyle said that. The only way that Winston would be starting is probably if Breeze got hurt. And I'm like okay, that that's fair because if if they're committed with Breeze for however long they need to be committed to him this year, they'll go with Breeze until if he got for God for sake he gets hurt. But I don't know, man. It, they have to start Winston. That that's the final line for me. I you if you want to have those explosive plays, if you want to have any sort of creativity on offense outside of Alvin Kamara, you have to start Jameis Winston. And I, just want, going I just
1: want downfield. I just want Kamara for the playoffs, man. Uh, yes. And The way he's going right now, he's not going to make it there.
0: No. They're, they giving him too many touches. He's taking too many hits. It's, Saints have a lot of things to answer, um, this weekend. Um, and they, who they play this weekend? The Lions. Lions are coming off a win over the Cardinals. Um, and the Lions defense picked off Kyler Murray three times. One of those picks was from Jeff Akuda. Congrats to him, having a big game, week three. And, you know, if the Saints end up losing to the Lions, we, like, that's, that's the moment where you gotta start Winston, no matter what. They're, they're probably gonna start Breeze this weekend, but in my opinion, they should start Winston. If Breeze ends up struggling again this weekend, even though he puts up um, good numbers, quote-unquote good numbers. Like, I don't know, man. If they go 1-3, we got problems. The Saints have problems. And people will be questioning, oh, are the Saints really a playoff team? Even though they have all this talent, yeah. it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. All right, we got to move on. I want to talk about Panther Chargers. Panthers getting their first win of the season over the – Los Angeles Chargers. I didn't think it was going to happen. I told you this last week. I was like, you know, I don't think the Panthers are going to win anytime soon. I think they're going to start 0 12. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, that, that, that wasn't me that said that. that. That, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. It was someone that it was an imposter. It wasn't me that said that, but jokes aside, I was really impressed with the Panthers against the Chargers this weekend. It was good to see them finally win a game. They haven't won a game in ten straight. Um, they haven't won a game in over a year or almost a year since November fourth. That was their last win, and I, I'm like, wow, it's been ten. It's been over a year since they've won a game. That's crazy, but they got the win against the Chargers, and. One player, a couple players I was impressed with. Taylor Moton shut down Joey Boza. When Joey Boza lined up um, against Taylor Moton, Taylor Moton shut him down. And Marty Herney, if you happen to listen to this, I doubt you will, but please hear from me and hear from all Panther fans or any football people that know who Taylor Moton is and how well he is or how good he is extend him to a big contract, please. He is one of the good offensive tackles, one of the good offensive linemen the Panthers have had since probably Jordan Gross or prime Ryan Kulil or well, Trey Turner was probably the best offensive lineman they've had in the last few years, but Taylor Moxon is one of the only good things going for Carolina right now. He's arguably their best player. Like, it's, it's outrageous he hasn't had a contract extension. Herney's like, Oh, we need to focus on the season, blah, blah, blah. We have a, when you have one of the brighter young tackles in the NFL and he's in a contract year and he's up for an extension, not, and he wasn't drafted in the first round. He was drafted, out, I think like the third round, fourth round. He doesn't have a fifth year option. You extend that some bit. Extend him. Extend him, please. I don't want to deal with offensive line crap, bad offensive line play for the next several years. If the Panthers end up drafting a quarterback in the top five this year or in the 2021 draft, I don't want to deal with that as a Panthers fan. I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Sorry. But I will move on to the Panthers defense. Brian Burns had a great game, showing off that he is on his way to becoming a very feared pass rusher in not only the NFC South but in the NFC in general, hell, maybe in the entire NFL. He was getting pressure on the quarterback all day long, um, like he was showing off that bend, that explosiveness, that athleticism, the speed off the edge, the counters, the the hand movement or the hand usage. Like he was showing everything that made me fall in love with him as a draft prospect coming into the season. I think he was a top five prospect on my board in the twenty nineteen draft. And the fact he fell to Carolina to sixteenth overall that year is very laughable. Like that in my on my board, that was a top five talent who tied for My number one edge, uh, edge rusher in that draft class with Nick Boza. Yes, he was my, he was cyber number one edge that draft class with Nick Boza on my board. Quentin Williams ended up being number one. I hate he's stuck with the Jets, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Panthers defense played well. Jeremy Chin looked, he looked good. I mean, he was explosive playing all over the field like and I was like, you know, they could have also had Isaiah Simmons too. If you think about it, they could have taken Isaiah Simmons at seven and Jeremy Chin in the second round. If they went Simmons, a defensive tackle in round two, then trading back into the third, back into the second round for Jeremy Chin. They could have had one of the more versatile defenses in the league. Simmons is not being used right in Arizona. And that sucks. I'm like, <sighs> like I was thinking, like when he got, when he initially got drafted to Arizona, I'm like, oh, this could be, this could go well if he's used right. He hasn't been used right. He, you gotta play him everywhere. You gotta play him in, the, you gotta play him at nickel. You gotta play him off the edge sometimes. You gotta play him in the box. You gotta play him deep. Um, At free safety or strong safety, man-to-man against tight ends and running backs, you've got to do that. He has got ungodly athleticism for his position. It's sad he's not showing that potential of him being a great player, great versatile piece, chess piece on defense with Arizona. So, you know, I mean, I'm happy with Brian Burns, or not Brian Burns, uh, Derek Brown. Derek Brown had a great game, um, and he, I think he leads the league in tackle for losses, which came to my surprise, um, yesterday, and I was like, ooh, wow, Brown's actually really playing well. And I was watching the tape against the, the Chargers last night, and I was like, he had a good game. He set the tone for Panthers defense early on when he had that stack and shed for tackle for loss against Austin Eckler on that first drive and as soon as that happened I was like after watching that play on tape I was like yeah that's what set the tone for the year or for the game Panthers had their best game on defense in quite some time probably one this was probably one of their better games on defense in maybe two years like it was that good Dante Jackson looked good Russell Douglas looked good pass rush looked really good now granted They were playing a rookie quarterback who showed really good flashes. Herbert flashed big. He had some really (laughs) impressive throws, including that touchdown pass to Keenan Allen. Oh, that was a beauty! Um, They were playing an offensive line that was riddled with injuries. Um, Brian, um, I think Brian Bugle ended up having to leave the game because of an injury. Trey Turner was out, so they didn't have him. They didn't have. I don't think they had their starting uh, left tackle either. So their whole line was just decimated. And I think that it was like two games were entering this game. It was like, are the Panthers ever going to get pressure on the quarterback? And this week they just went ham at the quarterback. They went after Herbert. They were getting hits. and They were hitting him in the pocket. They were getting pressure on him all game long. It was so good to see that Panther pass rush really just getting together and getting after the quarterback. Like we all thought they were to start the year. But again, with, with the pandemic going on and with how weird the offseason was, like, it's going to take time for this team to really start to get going and show off their true talent and potential. But this, this game, like, showed flashes on both sides. The receivers were playing low. Offensive line had a solid game, honestly. Um, they had to rotate their left tackles with Greg Little and uh, Trent Scott. And Trent Scott had more reps than Greg Little. Greg Little, I I don't know what to think of him. I'm ashamed that the Panthers traded up for him now because, like, he's not getting enough playing time. He was the starter. He was the projected starter, and he did start, but he only – he didn't play – Trent Scott outplayed him in reps and snap counts. Like that, I'm like, mm, really? If You need to play the tackle that you traded up for two years ago and the Brian Burns straps, you gotta you gotta play him more especially with Russell Okung out Like if you are hoping Greg Little can become your future at left tackle you play him every snap you don't go with a rotation you don't do any of that you start Greg Little and let him deal with the mistakes all that, learn from it as the game goes along, don't rotate him out, come on I, I, I don't understand it. But, um, you know, Panthers had red zone issues throughout the game. Um, I mean, they were kicking field goals all game long. And, you know, I, I was just like, that's one of the things that needs to be improved on is right or, um, the red zone offense has to be better next week against Arizona. And speaking of that, they're playing Arizona. So that's, that's like, that's going to be a big game for not only the Cardinals, but, or not only for the Panthers, but for the Cardinals too. So I'm, I'm I'm really interested to see if Joe Brady can really just get into the offense and be like, Hey, we need to get better in the red zone. Teddy, you've got to make some throws in the red zone. I don't care if you, you throw an interception, at least you're taking a shot in the red zone. Like, Bridgewater was too conservative whenever they got into the red zone. Like, they didn't score like they should have. So, Joey Sly was one of the better players of the game. I mean, he was making everything. Every – like, I mean, they were kicking every time they were in the red zone. They were kicking a field goal every time they were in the red zone. So, overall, very impressive with the Panthers from the game uh, Sunday. Um you know, they play Arizona this upcoming weekend. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Um, I think the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins, um, Christian Kirk, when he's healthy, Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella. Um, that offense is – I think they're going to have a field day against uh, the Panthers, but we'll talk about that Thursday when we break down week four, um, week four. And now I want to move on real quick to – Dan Quinn and Adam Gase. And I've said, and I said this Sunday, and I said it yesterday as well. Dan Quinn needs to be fired as well as Adam Gase. The Atlanta Falcons have given up, have blown big leads in the last two games. Like, leads that, like 28-3 to leads type of thing. Like, it. The amount of time like the amount of leads they are blowing at this rate is astounding and it's very concerning and I don't care if Dan Quinn is a great guy in the locker room, great to the players, to the owners or whatnot. If your team is not playing well and you're you're the head coach. Your team is not playing well, and you're blowing leads, and you're not getting enough locker room, and you're saying, hey, we need to hold on to this lead, we gotta keep the, we gotta keep our foot on the pedal. They're doing this, like, why is Dan Quinn even the head coach? Like, at this point, you fired Dan Quinn. For how bad he's been. Or how bad the Falcons have been. The Falcons are 0-3. Like, I, I don't know, man. It, I feel for my for our good friend Eric Robinson, who's a Falcons fan. We talked to him um in the off season. I had a fun chat in the off season. You know, this Falcons scene, like they they, they were one of the teams that could have been like a wild card seventh or sixth seed in the NFC. And right now, I don't think they even make the playoffs. Like it's that bad. It it sucks. It sucks to see the Falcons not playing well. And if the Falcons lose again this upcoming weekend, Dan Quinn's gone. Dan Quinn's gone. He's got to be. And then Adam Gase, he should have been fired last offseason. But no. Christopher Johnson was like, oh, he's such a great offensive mind. We'll be fine. He was only good because he was coaching Peyton Manning. Shut the hell up. Please. Come on, man. I mean – when you look at how the Dolphins or how former Dolphin players are doing now that they are being coached by Adam Gase, they are having great success. Devontae Parker's doing well. Brian Tannehill's the starting quarterback and doing well in Tennessee. And then you look at the Jets, you got a talented quarterback in Sam Darnold. You got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield when he's healthy. Got Jamison Crowder, who's a really solid receiver. Um and then you got that back, you got that defense. I mean, there's not, you got Quinton Williams on defense, who's really, really talented. And I'm like, you have all this talent that you can really build around. Like Makai Beckton, I think he's been easily one of the only bright spots on the Jets team. Throughout the season. Like he has been playing very, very well. He's made the offensive line for the Jets look good. So it's good to see Makai Beckton really showing off his potential. Really showing off like, hey, I can be a really good offensive tackle in this league. But man, like I'm telling you. If the Jets lose this weekend or not this weekend, they lose Thursday night to the Broncos. And Brett Ripon could be starting. Let's go. He could be. I'm hoping he is. If he is, Draft Twitter is going to go crazy. We're going to have a lot of fun Thursday night. But if the Jets lose Thursday night, which I think they will, Adam Gase will be fired. Greg Williams will become the interim head coach. And guess what? The Jets are going to be like, oh, we actually have solid talent. We have some guys that can actually help make an impact in the game. Like Sam Darnold, he can be good. Le'Veon Bell, when he's healthy, he can be a threat for us. Jamison Crowder can be a really solid weapon for us. Denzel Mims, if we get him more weapons or we get him more reps, he can be a good playmaker for us. Quentin Williams can be a game wrecker on defense. Like, you look at the team, they have young talent to build around. As soon as Adam Gase is gone, I guarantee you, players... On the Jets, will start playing better, playing much, much better. Darnold will somehow pop out of his funk he's been in the last couple years, and he's going to go off, probably, I'm hoping, and show that, hey, and somehow lead the Jets to not have the number one pick and be like, hey, I'm here to stay as the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. You get... Give me that fifth year option. I'll prove you next year with a really good solid head coach, um, next year. And honestly, I'll say this right now. Greg Williams should have been the head coach of the Cleveland Browns last year, not Freddie Kitchens. Just my opinion, by the way. You can say what you want about that, but anyways, we got Chiefs Ravens to talk about here real quick. Um, Patrick Mahomes was just. Wow, showing—I mean, being as spectacular as ever, just making insane throws. Like, uh, it—you—I I don't know what to say anymore. I'm speechless just watching the Chiefs' offense now. And now, and Lamar jackson you did have a great game last last night uh, on Monday night. Um, I mean, and it was like you were expecting more of a shootout, and. It, it, the game got really interesting when it was twenty-seven to twenty in the fourth quarter, and we we're like, "Oh, it's gonna be a good game. This could end up being a good game." And then the Chiefs, of course, I think they scored on that next drive, and it was like, "Forget it." Yeah. So the Chiefs, they played well all game. Harrison Butler, I don't know what the hell was going on with him last night. He, he just looked. He was not making field goals. He wasn't making yeah. extra points. I'm like. You're one of the best kickers in the NFL, and you're doing this.
1: Yeah, I mean the same thing happened to uh, um what's his name? Uh the Tennessee kicker now. Uh Cena Koskowski. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened to him, but he, he you know, he's recovered from that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the game was you know, it, it definitely didn't live up to expectations. Like you said, we thought it was gonna be a shootout, you know, the Chiefs Rams a couple of seasons ago. Um but you know, you got give credit to the Chiefs defense. They've been much improved. Um, you know, those young corners are really playing well. Ladarius Sneed and, and some of those other guys have really played well for that back end of that defense. That was their biggest question mark. And they seemingly gotten better since last year. You know, compared to last year, they'd give up a ton of points and just outscored the other team. Now they're beating teams with their defense. You know, mm-hmm. rely on their defense to make stops. So... You know, you got to give credit to their their front office for making those moves and bringing in players that you know fit their scheme. Um, and and they were able to get massive stops last night and really over the course of the season. Um, they've you know for, through the first three games, you know they've you know held the Texans to as many points as they had. You know, Chargers obviously played with Herbert, but uh, you know they only held them what to nine points or something like that, sixteen points something like that. Um. And then, you know, last night only held the Ravens' offense to 20 after they were destroying everyone first couple of weeks. You know, destroyed yep. the Browns and then Texans. So you got to give credit to the Chiefs' defense. You know, obviously Mahomes is, you know, making spectacular throws, but the defense really needs to be praised.
0: Yeah, the Chiefs' defense has been very, very impressive, Um especially last night, and I think they're – continuing their play from the end of the regular season last year and they're just like we're not as bad of a defense as people are saying we are the Chiefs have a really solid defense and you combine that with a elite offense like the Chiefs have I think the Chiefs are going to be back in the Super Bowl unless I mean the Ravens they end up meeting the Ravens again and I think I think the next time the Ravens play the Chiefs, I think the Ravens will beat them. But, I mean, last night didn't really show that. Because, I mean, the Chiefs are just – they just seem better than everyone else. They do. And it's just really – it's really fun to see Mahomes in that offense. like just creativity that we saw last night, especially in the red zone. Like, that was fun fun, fun, fun game. Like so many things like teams can learn off of like creative offensive line, offensive minds. Like it it was really good to see just creative offensive mind play. Um, Great quarterback play um, from Patrick Mahomes, of course, showing off he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I mean, there could be an argument about Wilson right now being the best quarterback in the NFL, of course, because he's on the tear. And speaking of Russell Wilson, Man, like i I've never seen a start like this for any NFL quarterback since I started watching ten years, ten ten or so years ago. Like this is this is a historic start to the year for any quarterback in NFL history. I I tweeted this last night, I think, um, that we need a Mahomes Wilson Super Bowl. We need to see these two teams, or we need to see these two quarterbacks going head to head in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl this year in Tampa Bay. We need to. I mean, if we get those two going head to head, that's going to be an incredible, incredible football game. Wait, if I remember, did the Chiefs play the Seahawks this year? Or no, 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 no. they're not playing the. NFC West at all this year. I think they're playing just the NFC South, so. Yeah. yeah. And I tweeted out last night as well. I'm like, Panther fans, you really think you're going to beat this team? You're going to have a shot against this team? You're going to be competitive against this team? Like, I mean, of course, they've always been competitive um, throughout the season, but you really think you're going to be able to hold this team to 30 points? Maybe even a 40. I'm like, one guy tweeted at me, and I'm like, it, the Panthers would be lucky if they, like, only gave up 40 points. Like, Panthers might give up 70 points against this Chiefs team. Like, I'm already counting that Chiefs game as a loss for Carolina. Like, that, it no question. Like, if they somehow pull off the upset, which, like, I know it'll sound crazy, but it could be, like, one of those games. Like, the Chiefs could have one of those games where they just flunk. And they end up losing like a game they should have easily won. That could be the Panthers game because later on in the season we'll see like how the Panthers really are on both sides of the ball as a coaching staff and whatnot. But you know the Chiefs, I think they're best, they're the best team in the NFL right now. I don't think there's really anyone that can stop them right now. Well, they got New England this upcoming weekend. They're facing Cam Newton. Patriots are two and one. If Cam Newton pulls off a performance like he did against the Seahawks and the Patriots beat the Chiefs, that's going to be – people will be like, oh, I think we need to take the Patriots seriously again. Like, no quite – and Cam Newton should be considered one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL right now if he isn't already. And I've already stated it multiple times throughout the last few weeks Like or over the last week or so, that he is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Despite the performance he had against the Raiders, I mean, he wasn't great against the Raiders. I'll admit that. He wasn't that great. I mean, he he showed some really good plays on the ground. Um, He had a late run, late in the fourth, I think, or sometime in the fourth quarter, where he's able to bet a sack, um, got 13, 14 yards on the ground, and just hyped as hell after after the run. I was like, we're seeing this game this year. You may as well forget it. All right. We got to talk about some of the college football action from this weekend. First off, let's start off with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. Those two were balling out against Ole Miss and Lane Kippen save you as the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. I, is it safe to say that Kyle Trask is Easily in contention for QB four for the 2021 draft. Do you think he's in contention for that? And also, Kyle Pitts made an excellent case to say, "Hey, I'm probably I'm probably the best sign in in this draft class, better than Pat Frymuth and Brevin Jordan." But that's and like I said during the game, I think on Saturday, Pitts, Jordan, Frymuth are basically Judy Ruggs Lamb from the receiver class last year, like, you can't go wrong of who, like, you're not, like, you're not going to really argue if you have either of those guys as your top tight end. I mean, you're not. Both, all three are really, really good, have their own unique uh, skill sets that make them really good for the next level. So, what do you think of contrast? What do you think of that Florida offense, that Florida team overall? You think Florida could actually end up coming out and being, winning the SEC and maybe even making the conference playoff?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, I think right now Kyle Trask is a leader in terms of the QB4 race. Um, you know, Brad Purdy really hasn't shown much. You know, there's really no other quarterback you can really, that's played at his level thus far um that can be considered for QB four. So right now I I haven't penciled in as QB four. Obviously I wanna see him continue to do these things over the course of the season. But he's had off he had, he's had a really good start. I saw Fry has as tight end one. Um to me none of my rankings are gonna change immediately. It's gonna be one of those cases where once everyone gets to play, you know, then I'll be able to make, you know, my final decision on who Will be ranked where? Uh, so, Firemute plays in a month. I'm gonna give it to, give it a month, you know, to for that to happen. A lot of people are immediately putting Kyle Pitts as tight end one, but give everyone a chance to play first before you start doing that. Same with Justin Fields. I've seen some people wanting to put Trask over Fields now at QB three, but like I said, you gotta wait till everyone, uh, you know, is has played. Um, and then, you know, Florida's team, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, I'm worried a little bit defensively about their corners. Uh, they gave up a lot of yards to Ole Miss. Um,
0: Anderson. they do. You yeah. can tell.
1: Yeah. They give up a lot of yards, but, uh, I picked them to win SEC. Uh, I said they were going to come out of the East. Uh, you know, when we did our show last week, uh, and I'm sticking by that. I think, I just think they're a better team than Georgia. Um, but, you know, they look really well. They look really good, man.
0: Yeah, I was watching that game, and I was like, where was this offense last year? Like, this is insane. This is this is a really good offense. If they can keep this up, I'm like, Trask can keep this up. Oh, he might end up making an argument for QB3 or QB2. Like, he's – he looked good. He looked good throwing down the field. Sending guys in strides, he was accurate, he was making plays on the move, and I think that's where he he plays well is when he's moving off platform and he's making plays on the move. Like he's just that type of guy. And Kyle Pitts, my goodness, I I think in college football, right now, I think it might be an overreaction, but I think Kyle Pitts is probably the best tight in football or nine or in college football. Like a monster performance. He had a performance. He had as many touchdowns as any other tight end in college football would have for their entire career. He had four touchdowns against Ole Miss. Four touchdown catches. He had like eight receptions for 140 something yards. Something like that. And I'm like, jeez, dude. And he was just breaking away from defenders, um, deep in the secondary. I was like, jeez, this is, this is Noah Fan 2.0. This is, this is Noah Fant or Evan Ingram. Like this is, and he's he looked a lot better as a blocker, um, Sunday against Ole Miss than he did last year, at all. Like he looked good as a um, blocker, which was an area of improvement that he needed to have, and he looked good in that area. So, if Pitts continues to play like this, I think he ends up being the unquestioned um, tight end number one, but. We just have to see what Fred Jordan continues to do. And Jordan's had a great year so far. Um, and then we have to see what Pat Frymuth does um, during the eight-game season, the eight-game Big Ten season. So it would be ch- interesting to see what the tight end two and QB4 race would look like. Um, another thing I want to talk about is Jalen Waddle and Dalen Moses. They really – both of them showed out um, after or during the game where Alabama destroyed Missouri. Um Jalen Waddle showing off that very insane explosiveness. Um he looked improved. He looked a lot improved as a route runner. Um ball skills were still really, really good. I mean, I'm like and he looked good in an expanded role like we all said he was going to be. Like he looked like the player we're we're expecting to maybe challenge for the receiver one spot in this 2021 20, draft class. So it was really encouraging to see Waddle playing well in an expanded role um, on this team, really showing off his talent. Dylan Moses, it was so good to see him back on the field after missing all last season. Um, We never thought we'd even see Dylan Moses on the field at all this year because of the pandemic. But Dylan Moses came in on the field. I mean, he looked elite. He was just flying all over the field. He was making plays sideline to sideline in the backfield, deep down or in coverage. I mean he he looked like one of the better defensive players in the entire country. And like I can't get the image out of my head of like I know I said um like a few episodes ago or like maybe a month or month back or so when we were talking about Micah Parsons. I I I said Michael Parsons was probably Keekly 2.0 if he can get his eye discipline better or get his eye discipline fixed or whatnot. But Dylan Moses, I, he's probably one of the closer things I've seen to Keekly than anyone else. Um, but I mean, that's probably just an overreaction, but Moses was incredible. He's showing up why he's probably one of the better or he's probably the best defensive player in the entire draft class. So it was really good to see Jalen Waddle and Devin Moses play well.
1: Yeah, yeah, they play really well um, on Saturday. Uh, it, you know, it was expected that they were going to play well, and they dispatched Missouri very, very quickly. Uh, you know, Waddle made a, a terrific catch in traffic down the field uh, earlier in the game, and, you know, Moses continued to make play after play um, So it was really impressive um, to, to, to see them, you know, play well. Uh, you know, some some other, you know, prospects over the weekend that, you know, kind of caught my eye as well. Um, You know, Auburn, Seth Williams, he had a phenomenal game against Kentucky uh, route running still needs a little he bit must. improved. But yeah, he, he'll go over really the top of awesome dudes
0: all game long. I was like, oh, I'm like, he's probably not going to get drafted highly because like he's doesn't fit what. The NFL season and receivers right now. Like he will probably have his big fans on draft Twitter. Like there'll be draft analysts that will like Seth Williams just because of his big time catch ability, his catch radius, his size, his ball skills. Like that's what make that's what a lot of draft analysts, including myself, really like in players. But like that's just not today's NFL. Uh, when you're talking about just what you're looking for in today's receivers, but. Yeah, some other prospects I noticed as well, like you were saying, Seth Williams, um, Anthony Schwartz um, looked good. Um, I didn't really watch most of the Kentucky-Auburn uh, game because I was switching back and forth and I ended up sticking with the Florida Ole Miss game. Um, it was really, really... Like the Florida game, the Florida Ole Miss game was really interesting, but... Um, like you said, Seth Williams looked good. Um, and I know you had a couple other prospects
1: you wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, for the Auburn game, uh, there's a right tackle that I'm keeping an eye out of for uh, Darius Ham. Uh, this is first season starring as a rising junior. Uh, but he has a really great story and, you know, Gus Malzahn said he's one of the better offensive linemen that have come through the program. Uh, so that's what, you know, really intrigued me about him. He had a solid game against Kentucky. Uh was moving people. Uh looked really good in pass pro. Uh, you know, he looks you know, his footwork is still um, you know, needs some work, you know, but obviously it's gonna come with reps. But he, he looks good and I think he's someone that could be a riser. Um, you know, there was uh obviously Austin Watkins from last Thursday night. Uh he played really well. He's still one of my guys as well. Uh, had like eight receptions, hundred and like seventy-some yards, and, and, and a really big touchdown. So he, he looks really good. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a defense alignment for Vanderbilt, um, Dio, uh, I, I can never get his name right. Um, but he, uh, he's number 10 on Vanderbilt. Um, he, this is gonna be like a really good five-tech and, uh, a four-three defense. Um I think that he can be someone you know probably day two day three that team looks for someone like him to come in and, and fit right in so those are kind of the guys that that kind of stood out to me over the weekend uh there's a few there's a few more as well, but uh those are some guys that uh immediately stood out to me. There's some other guys i got I wrote down that you know over the next couple of weeks I'm gonna continue to monitor, but those guys were kind of the initial ones that stood out to me
0: another player from this past weekend that was, that really caught my eye was um K.G. Costello. Oh, my God, the game he had against LSU was I – ha- I haven't seen a game like that against LSU in a long time or against any team in a long time. Mike Leach is in the SEC, and he is going to have some fun. Mississippi State is going to have some fun. K.G. Costello went for 600-plus yards – um, against LSU's defense that was missing Derek Stingley and a bunch of other, up- and like that LSU team was just depleted. You could tell they were depleted from losing all that talent. Um, they didn't have a lot of energy on the sideline. You could tell throughout the game, like it, they just, they weren't showing that energy. They were starting to get turnovers later in the game when they were making it close. Um, like they really needed uh, those takeaways. Um, Elijah Ricks, the the freshman. I think I talked about him um about a month or so ago when we were talking about um some of the SEC teams and um some of the college football playoff teams in LSU as well. Um I was like Elijah Ricks, he could potentially be um a factor this year, um really talented freshman. Um and first game he gets an interception and I was like, Oh, my answer would be good. And I'm like, you got Ricks and Stingley like two young, talented corners that aren't draft-eligible yet, I'm like, whew, that's going to be fun. Um Miles Brennan, he he looked okay. He didn't look the greatest. That interception he threw, that duck he threw, like people are saying, oh, he threw a complete duck, but he actually got hit while he was throwing the ball. Like you could see on the replay, like a Mississippi State defender was able to get his hand on um Brennan's arm and it just lost all the gas and he Brennan had a wide open receiver downfield. But as like right as soon as the ball was starting to come out, um he got hit in the arm. Ball ended up being a duck and intercepted. Um so it was Brennan did okay. Um Terrace Marshall looked good. Um the receivers looked all right um, Eric Gilbert flashed a lot, the talented freshman tight end. I mean, he kicked off his career with a touchdown on, it, um, I think LSU's first scoring drive. So it was good to see some of the young talent of LSU really getting their, um, uh, reps in and really showing off their potential, but I, I don't think LSU is going to be that great this year. I mean, they're probably going to win, I don't know, seven, six, seven games probably, but. I, I don't think they're going to be that great at all this year. Um, I think it's only one of those down years. It's like, let the talent really develop. And then next year you get um, players back from opt out or um, the talent that you seen grown throughout this year will probably start showing up. And I think LSU will be back to being a championship contender next year, but right now it doesn't look like they're going to be any, any good in terms of like being a, championship contender in the SEC or in the national conversation. So um, LSU not looking great. Mississippi State could be the surprise team in college football this year, especially with Mike Leach, K.J. Costello going out for 600 yards. Saw a take last night where I'm watching that draft dude's live stream. Like, can K.J. Costello break the single season record for passing yards in a 10-game regular season for um, – Mississippi State I'm like nah that's not going to happen you have 10 games to do that that's going to be really really tough especially what Burrow did last year I mean Burrow was throwing going nuts last year so I don't expect the passing record to be broken anytime soon but Costello he could get close if he continues the base that he's at right now I mean start your SEC career with a 600 yard passing game. I'm like, that's, that's insane. That is yeah.
1: insane. Yeah, he probably won't catch it though, just because of the limited amount of games they have this year. Uh, but yeah, he, he looked good, man. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep up that high level of play throughout the season.
0: Kalen Hill looked good. Um, they have a talented group of wide receivers too. Really yeah, i really
1: I, I really like Osiris Mitchell. He he too. might be someone that uh by the season end we talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, really lengthy, uh have some speed to him, so uh he, he looked really good.
0: I saw he was like six, five, two, ten. Is yeah. that right? Yep. You're not supposed to move like that at that type of size. That's that's just nuts. That's nuts. I and Carter and Carter Donick, uh the net no, of uh, the jack that the Draft Network tweeted that out and I was like, 6'5", he's moving like that. And I was like looking, watching the game, I'm like, oh, my God, moving like that, 6'5", 210? I don't know if that's really his height or his size, but, you know, if he's moving like that, if that's his legitimate size, oh, my goodness, like he could really become a riser in this draft class. Another game I want to talk or one more game I want to talk about is um Miami FSU game. Um, Miami just dominated Florida State. I mean, we were expecting this to maybe even be a close game. Miami had it in the back from the get-go. Like, they were just dominant on both sides of the ball. Florida State just did not look good at all. Yeah. Like a good program.
1: They just Um, didn't want to play, man. Um, And I really think it comes down to the players that are there now. They're so used to losing that a lot of them just want to get out. Uh, you know, the Marvin Wilson's of the world, Sante Samuel, uh, you know, Tamora and Terry, a lot of those prospects that we like, I think they just want to get out of there at this point. Um, so it's, it's really not going to change for Florida State till they get that next crop of players in. And I think that's when they get that fresh mindset. Uh, but right now they, they just have a lot of negative energy around that program. So I think that at this point, the season is going to be a wash again. You know, yeah. people might be calling for uh, you know, the the job of um what's his name? Um, yeah. Yeah, they're they're gonna be calling for his job, but you know, at this point I think, you know, it just really comes down to the players because you know, he's been successful everywhere else he's been, so I don't expect that to continue, you know, at a program like Florida State. So I just think that they gotta release that negative energy of those guys in the locker room and really change their mindset.
0: Miami's offense looks nothing like it has in the last few years. Like they look explosive. Pierre King, like just really, like he's come in here and has looked like a Heisman contender from the get-go. I mean, he's playing very good football. Could be a sleeper for the upcoming draft class if he decides to declare. Reverend Jordan um, is he's been his best target or his top target. Um, and it's good to see Jordan really showing off in of the passing game, um, a lot more, um, showing off in pass protection and as a run blocker, they're, they're running the ball well. Defense is looking good. Jalen Phillips, Quincy Rocher really coming off the edge playing well. Um, you know, Miami, they're now ranked in the top 10. And two weeks from now, they play Clemson on the road at
1: Clemson. That's going to be a good one.
0: That, that needs to be a Saturday night, Saturday night
1: game. I, 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 I think it definitely will be. There's no doubt in my mind.
0: It's going to be a college game day. Like, we're going to have to go, college game day is going to have to go to Clemson and do their show there. Like, it's going to be that big big of a game. Next week we got, or this upcoming weekend, we got our first top, our first top 10 matchup between Auburn and Georgia. So that could be in the End up being a good game, but I think the best game of the year, um, will be, or, well, I think Alabama and Georgia are playing in a couple of weeks too. So, um, you got Miami Clemson, um, Alabama Georgia going head to head here in a couple of weeks. Like, got some interesting matchups going on over the, over these next couple weeks. But, um if Miami is, I think Miami might be legit and, if they make it a close game with Clemson, but still lose, I think Miami should still be considered one of the better teams in college football right now in the top 10. Like this is a really good football team overall. And I don't think we all even see, we didn't see this coming. Like we saw, we were thinking, oh, maybe they could really do something, but they have that new offensive coordinator. Um, and he's really turned things around. I'm, t- I'm like, you see, you get a good quarterback. If you get a good quarterback with a good offensive coordinator or play caller that is creative um on offense and you have talent on defense that can really play well, you're going to have a really solid year, gonna have a good year. And I think that's what's happening with Miami. They're finally showing they're finally letting their weapons and their talent on offense loose. They're playing their athletes more and more. Um, they're playing their athletes against their, their opponents, athletes, like they're doing, it kind of reminds me of what LSU was doing early on in the year. I mean, not, not to like the historic extent that they had last year, but Miami just looks like a good football team. And so, and, and if they beat Clemson in two weeks on the road, you gotta put them in the top five. You gotta put them in the top three. In the year 2020, when we, when nothing, when, when something crazy doesn't seem crazy, Miami beating Clemson shouldn't be considered crazy, even though it does sound crazy, you know, and thinking Miami could potentially make a push for the playoffs, maybe even the national championship. We're in that type of conversation right now. Like that's crazy, man. I'm excited to see what Miami – I think Miami's on the buy this week, so we're not going to be able to see them play until um, they play Clemson. But, you know, I'm excited for that matchup. Um, I'm excited for Auburn-Georgia this upcoming weekend, which we'll break down uh, this Thursday, Friday. So I'm excited for that. Guys, thank you so much for listening to
1: the up Podcast today. We'll see you guys later. Peace.